everyone. Welcome back to Adrian Apologetic. Today I'm joined by Kyle Alander. We're going to be responding to uh, rationality rules and his debunking of the argument from consciousness. So, Kyle, how's it going? It's good. I'm glad to be here and I can address some of his criticisms and we'll get through it. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get into this in just a very brief moment here. In his room. He had a video we put out a few years ago just kind of claiming to debunk the argument from consciousness. So we're going to take a look at it and it should be a lot of fun. Um, Kyle, do you have any kind of like brief thoughts or anything you want to say before we pull this up and get rolling? Um, I guess just my general thoughts. There's a lot of lot of errors, although I, to give him credit, there are some criticisms that I would agree with. Um, particularly some of the fallacies he points out I think are correct. I'll, I'll get more into that later. But generally, I, I wasn't really impressed by the video, um, and I'll get into why. And then I'll also go over like other arguments from consciousness that sort of avoid his his uh, his objections. But but yeah, so mm -hmm. yeah, it looks great. What we'll do now is we'll pull up the video um, and we'll get this thing going. And in case you didn't know, Kyle has the Christian Idealism YouTube channel. He's an idealist, um, so he's definitely going to say the argument from consciousness works. So let's get mm -hmm. going. Likewise to most theological arguments, there are many types of arguments from consciousness, each differing in the premises they use and the way they're conveyed. But in this video, we're going to focus on the most popular type, that being arguments from consciousness that assert that neither naturalism or materialism can provide an adequate explanation of consciousness, but that theism can. So, to present this argument in its syllogistic form, it is a fact that human consciousness exists. This fact can be adequately explained within a theistic framework, i.e. one which posits God's existence, whereas it cannot be adequately explained within a naturalistic or materialistic framework, i.e. one which lacks a belief in God's existence. Hence, there is a fact that only theism can adequately explain. Therefore, God exists. To take on this argument, what are you? What are your thoughts on like present his present presentation of the mm. argument, Kyle? So I thought it was his okay. I mean, I wouldn't use that sort of argument. Um, I'd probably use just an inference, the best explanation approach. Um, so yeah, I, I would probably disagree with. I, I wouldn't say theism is the only um, theory that can explain consciousness. I would just say that it's the best theory that can explain consciousness. So that's the only real distinction I would make there. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not really a fan of like deductive arguments. I think that ultimately dedu all deductions are going to reduce to inductions. So <laughs> um, I'm going to use, if I were to use the argument, I would, I would probably just say the best explanation of, is that theism explains it better than, because mm -hmm. uh, I'm not, because I do think that there are alternative explanations. I just think that they're not as good. Right. So that's what I would mm -hmm. say. Um, Where did he get this argument? Is it from, is it J.P. Moreland and the Blackwell Companion? Is that yeah, who made yeah. the argument um, presents? So I, I have the argument written down, although I don't agree with his version of the argument. Um, I guess I'll just quickly go over it. So premise one, mental events are genuine, non-physical mental entities that exist. Premise two, specific mental entities and physical e event types are regularly correlated. Therefore, there is an explanation for these correlations. Personal explanation is different from natural scientific explanation. Premise five, the explanation for these correlations is either personal or a natural scientific explanation. Premise six, the explanation is not a natural scientific one. Therefore, the explanation is a personal one. And of course, if the explanation is a personal one, then it is theistic. Therefore, the explanation is theistic. Now, I just want to emphasize, I do not agree with Jacob Warren's version of that argument, specifically 
because that's the one he uses in the Black Hole Companion. Um, so I don't agree with that argument, but I do agree with the overall, I guess, way of thinking about it, right? Where mm -hmm. you basically have theism as a theory to explain consciousness, right? Given that God is a conscious being, right? You only have to explain terms, you have to explain consciousness in terms of consciousness. So if God is conscious, then, you know, it, it seems like, you know, he would he would create uh, conscious creatures, right? Um, mm -hmm. So that's what I would say. Um, now, again, I don't like J.P. Moran's version of the argument for various reasons. I'm not going to get into those here, but the point is, like, I agree with the, the framework that he's using, which is basically, you know, theism explains consciousness better mm -hmm. than the alternatives, right? Um, yeah. So that's what I would, that's what I would say. Um, yeah. yeah. I think that's great. Um, see what else has to say here. Argument. Okay. It's critical that we first define what consciousness means and preferably within 10 hours. But jokes aside, its basic definition is the state of being aware of and responsive to one's surroundings, which is indeed what most of us mean when we say consciousness. Okay, stop but it. The reason this needs to be nailed... Mm -hmm. Okay, so the problem is, and he, he sort of gets into this a little bit after this, but so this definition is not actually correct um, within the philosophy of mind. Um, this is typically, well, to be fair though, I mean, this is the definition of consciousness that scientists use, right? Because that's how scientists describe consciousness. But we're, when we're actually talking about like consciousness, consciousness as defined within the philosophy of mind, right? This is not the mm. definition that they're gonna use, right? Um, cause I think when you get into like different fields, like a, a psychologist gonna, is going to have a different definition than a neurologist. And then a, of course, a philosopher of mind is going to have a different definition as well. So the one I'm concerned with is the philosophy of mind definition, right? And this is not, this is not that, right? So that's the first big error I just want to point out. Um, and then you can sort of continue on the video and I'll sort of explain more about why that's the case, but yeah, go ahead. Nail down immediately is because many proponents of the argument from consciousness attempt to implicitly define it to mean something that it's not, such as a transcendent part of the human personality. And in doing this, they're attempting to smuggle immaterial and unnatural properties into the definition of consciousness, which is essentially a backhand way of begging the question. Okay, stop it. Okay, yeah, yeah. so that's a big, big, big bear. I, I don't really, I mean, at least within the philosophy of mind, I mean, yeah, you might have some people that'll define consciousness that way, but typically there's a agreed upon definition, right? So this is the one um, I'm going to get into. So basically consciousness is mental activity in and of itself. Mental activity is conscious. If, and only if there is anything it is like to have such mental activity in and of itself. Another definition we could put forth would be this mental activity is conscious. If there is something it feels like to have such mental activity in and of itself, the words to feel, however, is not clear enough to be used as a definition. So philosophers of mind typically define consciousness as anything it is like to have such mental activity in and of itself. Um, so that's the definition, right? Just mental activity in and of itself. Now, notice I don't I don't include non-physical properties into that definition, right? Um, because it's mm -hmm. completely neutral on whether or not uh, consciousness is reducible or irreducible or material or immaterial. Um, so for me, I say that consciousness is just irreducible. Right. And that's different than saying that it's immaterial. Right. Because I don't mm -hmm. even know what <laughs> I don't even like the word immaterial. I don't even use that um, word in my language. Right. Some people might, but I, I certainly don't. So when I talk about consciousness, I just say that it's 
irreducible, right? So you can't explain it in terms of things that are not conscious, right? So when you're talking about consciousness, that's the that's the base, right? You can't really explain it in terms of anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're talking about consciousness, we're just saying that um, that something is conscious, it's irreducible, and that's it, right? Um, it doesn't have to include um, these extra properties as he wants to, you know, call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think another thing, I'll get into this more later, but he gets he gets a really like poor poor explanation of consciousness. And he doesn't really do a good job of like going over the alternative views of consciousness within the philosophy of mind. Um, even like views within physicalism, because there are various views even within the physicalist camp. So even he, he doesn't even do a good job of like going over consciousness within his own, like within the view that he would agree with. Right. So that's another issue. But but yeah. That's yeah. No, the only thing I, I was curious about, like he talks about consciousness being like. Um, like the music definition of it is just being like supernatural or he says unnatural. And like, that's one of those things where like the supernatural and natural distinction is like kind of weird. Cause it's almost like, it seems like, like if we're going to grant like a theistic definition of consciousness, then we, would you say the consciousness is then supernatural? And like, would that imply that maybe like, I don't know, the consciousness isn't even real. If you want to say like only the natural exists. Well, I don't know. It just seems like, it seems weird. Like saying that like a yeah. theistic definition of consciousness is unnatural. Because I would agree with him if he's going to say that consciousness is natural. I would totally agree with him on that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah. I just, I don't like the definition of, I don't like that distinction between the natural and supernatural. I think it's meaningless, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when we're talking about consciousness, I think it's better to talk about it in terms of it be reducible or not, right? And even mm-hmm. if you're a naturalist, I just want to emphasize, and I'll get more to this later, but even if you're a naturalist, you can say that consciousness is irreducible. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a reductionist to consciousness in order to say that it's, you know, irreducible or something. So you could actually, in a way, you could actually agree with the theistic definition. If a theistic definition just says that consciousness is irreducible, well, you could just accept that and just have a natural uh, theory, right, that explains consciousness in terms of it being irreducible. Again, I'll go get more into that later, but that's another thing I want to sort of emphasize here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's a good point. So yeah, let's do it. Hence, however one defines consciousness, they must first acknowledge that every shred of evidence has so far supported the statement that consciousness is a product of the mind, which in turn is a product of the brain. There's absolutely no evidence to suggest that our consciousness is independent of our bodies. No. Okay. Um, yeah, that's no, this another. Let's go. Yeah, that's well, that's wrong. I mean, it depends on what you mean by evidence, right? There may not be great evidence, right? But mm-hmm. there's certainly evidence, right? I mean, there's near-death experiences, there's psychedelic ex- drugs that uh, people take that um, will decrease your brain activity, but then increase your conscious experiences. I mean, it may not be great evidence, right? But it's still evidence, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there it is. If he's going to say that there's absolutely no like good evidence, well, maybe, right? But if you're saying there's no evidence at all, well, that seems kind of weird. I mean, th- there is evidence, right? Just like mm-hmm. I would say that there's evidence uh, for naturalism, right? Even though I'm not a naturalist, there is evidence for naturalism, right? I'm not going to say there's absolutely no evidence for naturalism, right? There's always going to be some evidence for naturalism because all that evidence requires, the definition of evidence is that which makes a hypothesis more likely, right? Um, so near-death experiences would be evidence, uh, psychedelic drugs would be evidence, right? It's not; it may not be great evidence, but it's still evidence. So that's another 
issue I want to point out here, but, um, but yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Cause like, sometimes I feel like in like a lot of like more like popular level atheist videos, they want to like have this very restrictive view of like what counts as evidence. Um, right. it seems like to go against the mm -hmm. idea of, um, free thinking and critical thinking and following the evidence wherever it leads. When we put evidence into this like little box of only discounts is what would be like evidence. Yeah. Another thing I want to point out here is to suggest our consciousness is independent of our bodies. I'm not really sure what he means by that. I mean, because in a, as, as an idealist like myself, I would say that um, it's the mind, sorry, not the mind, it's the body that's in the mind, not the other way around. So I wouldn't say that like there's this immaterial mental stuff that floats in my head and then when I die, it just leaves. No, it's, it's, not, it's not how it works, right? Um, because mm -hmm. the body itself is part of the mental environment. So if everything's mental, right? then even my body would itself be part of that mental environment. So this whole idea, so consciousness cannot be independent of our bodies. There's nothing independent from consciousness. So <laughs> I would just reject the whole like distinction between the body and consciousness because on my view of idealism, there is no distinction between those, right? They're, they're, they're all part of one system. They're all, you know, one ontology, right? So that's another thing I want to point out, but, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right, let's keep going. Get on with it. Let's debunk the argument from consciousness. In my opinion, the first objection to be stated is that premise three doesn't follow from premise two, making the entire argument a non sequitur. Even if we were to assume that theism can adequately explain consciousness and that naturalism can't, it by no means follows from this alone that only theism can explain consciousness. To name a few alternatives, deism and pantheism can both explain consciousness within their frameworks, and so right from the outset, the argument from consciousness isn't coherent. Okay. Its conclusion doesn't follow. You can stop it. Yeah, so this is an interesting point. Um, I would probably agree with him on this point, at least. Now, I'm not sure about pantheism. That seems kind of, I don't know about that. That one's kind of weird. But I, I would certainly agree that deism can explain consciousness. Another theory that I think could explain it... Um, although not, not as good as probably like um, non-reductive physicalism, right? There's some uh, models that I think are, are, are pretty interesting, although I don't find them convincing. Um, another theory is panpsychism, right? So if Emerson Green is watching this, um, I would agree that panpsychism is another naturalistic theory that I think could explain consciousness, as well as cosmopsychism, like the one from mm -hmm. Philip Goff. Um, so... Yes, I would agree that there are alternative explanations, right? Now, the question is whether or not they're the best ones. Obviously, I think that theism is still the best one. But the point I'm trying to make here is, like, there are going to be alternative explanations. So I, I guess I would sort of agree, at least with this criticism of, of the argument that he's presenting, right? Now, of mm -hmm. course, if I'm going to use an argument from consciousness, I'm not going to use the one that he's presenting. I'm going to use, you know, an abductive one, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, So that's what I would say. But yeah. yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, I think that like, it's a fair criticism because it doesn't just support theism. It would, you know, like consciousness can support right. like cosmopsychism or panpsychism or something like that. Um, and that's the problem. Like when you get into like, well, it's the argument from consciousness. Well, it's not, it's just one of many. So, right. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. If I can ever load the video again, oh. we'll keep going. There we go. Follow okay. from its premises, even if they were all valid, which so far as arguments go is pretty damn pathetic. 
But while we're on the topic of alternative worldviews that can explain consciousness, the fact that the argument from consciousness posits only naturalism and theism as valid options, without justifying why these two options are the only available, means that it commits a black and white fallacy. Furthermore, and by extension, this also means that the argument hasn't fulfilled its burden of proof. It hasn't substantiated the claim that only naturalism and theism are valid options. A third floor to Do you anything? Because I, I thought of something. One of the things that I didn't really understand about that, mm-hmm. like a little bit, is um, it's like, okay, so it's like only naturalism or theism, and this is going to get into like a little bit of like the definition of atheism. But like, if yeah. we define theism as like the belief that like a god or god exists, um, and atheism is a belief that a god or god doesn't exist, then like that's the only two options. Like the law of no, the right. law in the middle. So like I don't. Good. That is a good point because mm-hmm. um, it really depends. Again, it depends on what you mean by naturalism, right? So yeah. if you define naturalism that precludes theism, right? Then well, that could include panpsychism. That could include some of the options I just mentioned earlier, right? So that can sort of be an umbrella term for these different non-theistic explanations, right? Or all these, I guess, these theories that explanations that preclude preclude theism, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna include that, well then those are the only two options, right? Either naturalism where it precludes theism or theism that precludes naturalism, right? Um, mm-hmm. But if you define naturalism in terms that doesn't conflict with theism, well then I could just argue from a, a sort of like supreme uh, naturalism, right? Like what Josh Rasmussen does and a few others. Um, so it really depends on what you, what you mean by naturalism because if you define naturalism as the uh, exclusion of theism, well, th- there, there's only, those are the only two options, right? It's not a false dichotomy in that case, right? Because mm-hmm. you've explicitly defined naturalism as, is that, as that which precludes theism. Now, if he's defining naturalism in terms of, like, physicalism, right? Then, well, then, yeah, it is a false dichotomy because there are, there are uh, non-theistic views that are not physicalistic, right? Panpsychism is one example, Cosmopsychism is another another example, but my mm-hmm. my my point still stands, right? If you define naturalism as that which precludes theism, then that's going to include all the other views, um, like panpsychism and cosmopsychism. So, so that's what I yeah. would say. It's right. like at least for me, like I don't want to get into it too much right now because it's not about the argument from consciousness, but like the whole supernatural natural distinction really it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, and right. being like, well, naturalism is the opposite of theism. Well, if you're going to be like a cosmopsychist or, or like a panpsychist or something, like I often, I just wonder like how much different is that than theism? Um, but yeah. uh, mm-hmm. in terms of just like, well, theism doesn't count as naturalism, but these theories of the mind can, um, but maybe that's right. for a little bit later. Right. Okay. To raise okay. is that even if the conclusion of the argument was valid, all it would prove is that theism alone can explain consciousness. It wouldn't even suggest, let alone prove, that a specific religion is true. And as Christopher Hitchens once said, even if you've established deism, you've still got all of your work ahead of you to be a theist. Hence, even if it was bad. (laughs) Yeah, this is kind of one of those objections where it's like, oh, because it doesn't even relate to the argument from consciousness. Yeah, because that's not the point of the argument. Yeah, but whatever. I'm not not even going to respond to that because... There's no point. So I feel like there's been so many people that have responded to this. Well, doesn't support your specific God objection that at this point, like we really yeah. don't need to. Cause I feel like yeah. most people realize by now that this is just a very bad objection um, right. to any argument like natural theology. 
Mm-hmm. Except an argument from religious experience. This is actually a decent objection. It's that. Yeah. Valid. The argument from consciousness doesn't remotely support a specific theistic religion. A fourth spectacular flaw that the argument from consciousness commits is a giant argument from ignorance. If we cut to the core of what's being asserted, it's essentially that because we can't explain consciousness from a naturalistic framework, which, by the way, we can, theism must be correct. Or put more directly, the argument from consciousness is founded on the statement that we don't know how to explain consciousness, therefore God. Well, yeah. So, okay, so you can start it. So, yeah, yeah. That, that is... Now, the, the way that he put it, that is an argument from ignorance, but that's not what the actual argument says, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. if the argument was we can't explain consciousness on naturalism, therefore theism, well, then, yeah, that is an argument from ignorance, but that's not the argument, right? So, it <laughs> yeah. doesn't apply. So, his, his objection doesn't apply to the actual argument from consciousness or arguments from consciousness. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting because, like, Literally, like, that's not, like, in the um, argument that, like, he presented from, I think it's J.P. Moreland. Like, this is not what the argument says. It doesn't say, well, we don't know how to explain it to God. It says um, if genuine mental states exist, they can't be explained by a materialistic or uh, materialistic universe. Therefore, it's a personal explanation. So it's like, well, there must be a personal explanation for consciousness. So it's just like, I don't know. It's it's just, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think um, one thing, because I, I just thought of it, um, is I feel like a lot of times people confuse science for materialism. Like, I'm assuming that, like, Stephen thinks there's a materialistic explanation for consciousness, um, which is different, yeah. I think, than saying that it's a scientific explanation. Um, no, so, yeah, that yeah. is yeah, that is a good distinction to make, because um, when it comes to, like, scientific explanations, I think that science is ontologically neutral about the nature of reality. So mm-hmm. the scientific explanation is not going to tell you what, what matter actually is. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not going to really tell you, like, which view of the philosophy of mind you should take. So, yeah. Um, and, like, even, like, the theory of evolution, like, it's a theory. Yeah. Like, we we'll get into that. Yeah. It, to to we'll, develop it. But, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I will get into that when he gets in, when he talks about that. But, yeah. All right. God. A fifth law, and to get back to the erroneous assertion that naturalism can't explain consciousness, is that it can. It's called natural selection. At the risk of boring you through repetition, natural selection is the process whereby organisms that are better adapted to their environment tend to survive and produce more offspring. (sighs) To state it very, very simply, the nervous system evolved to orchestrate movement. Feelings evolved to move organisms towards or away from stimulus. Awareness evolved to make sense of these feelings. And consciousness evolved to allow organisms to respond more efficiently to their feelings. Okay. Finally, um, okay, you can stop if, it. Okay, so yeah. th- there's a big. Okay, this is where like he completely like messes up. Um, so okay, so natural selection does not tell you. Okay, like I said earlier, I mean, I mentioned the first point about how science doesn't actually tell you the ontological nature of matter, right? So that's the first error. The second error is probably more, I think, more uh, more serious. Um, so this is a quote from David Chalmers. So the process of natural selection cannot distinguish between me and my zombie twin. Evolution selects properties according to their functional role, and my zombie twin performs all of the functions that I perform just as well as I do. In particular, he leaves around just as many copies of his genes. 
It follows that the evolution alone cannot explain why conscious creatures rather than zombies evolved. The real problem with consciousness is to explain the principles of virtue which consciousness arises from physical systems. Presumably, these principles, whether they are conceptual truths, metaphysical necessities, or natural laws, are constant over space-time. If a physical replica of me had popped into existence a billion years ago, it, it would have been just as conscious as I am. The connecting principles themselves are therefore independent of the evolutionary process. While evolution can be very useful in explaining why particular physical systems have evolved, it is irrelevant to the explanation of the bridging principles of virtue of which some of these systems are conscious. Um, so that's from David Chalmers, The Conscious Mind. Um, so I just want to point out here that given our definition of consciousness, so given that consciousness is mental activity in of itself, that's not going to tell you how mental activity in of itself came from something that is not itself um, mental activity in and of itself. Right. Like, for example, a panpsychist, they could just say, well, consciousness is irreducible. It's always been there. Right. And let's say that you're a sort of like, let's say you're, if you're a bottom up panpsychist. Right. We could say, well, all everything in the, in the universe is conscious in some sense. And then and then you get um, creatures that can have like this uh, metacognitive awareness of their own consciousness. And that's an important distinction I want to mm -hmm. make. I want to make here. So that's the third criticism is that he doesn't really understand the distinction between consciousness and metacognition, right? So I guess I should sort of clarify what that what those uh, two terms mean. So metacognition is the ability to know about one's experiences, right? It is the ability to think about one's own thinking. But experience, right, is not identical to metacognition. You could have experiences even if you're not like self-aware of those experiences, right? For, as an example, um, you're breathing right now, right? Um, now you're metacognitively aware of your breathing, but it's not like you didn't have experience of breathing, <laughs> yeah. right? Just because you're not metacognitively aware of it. Um, and this is related to um, the two main brain, two uh, main systems in the brain that are related to awareness. Um, and I'm going to actually get into this in my next video. But basically the idea is that the brain has many functions, but the two important ones for metacognition involve the default mode web default mode network and the dorsal attention network. So the default mode network is responsible for introspection as well as being aware of our own experiences, like our own inner thoughts and stuff. And then the um, dorsal attention network is responsible for us being aware of our external environments. And so what this, what these two systems, what they explain is our knowledge of consciousness. It's our knowledge of experience um, or what I term self-reflexive consciousness. But we are able to gain knowledge of our experiences through these processes, but it doesn't actually explain why we even have those experiences in the first place. Because the question is, why do we have these experiences, right? That's not something that, the, that's not something that uh, you're not going to be able to answer from a pure neurobiological perspective, right? Because any, any uh, brains, like if you say there, there's this one brain system or a systems of brain systems, that explain consciousness. Well, then we need to ask why are those brain systems conscious? What's the relevant difference between that system and anything else in the universe? You're not going to be able to get, you're not going to be able to give an answer to that question. Right. Mm. Um, so that's another, I guess, big error I want to point out here is yes, evolution can explain our awareness of experience. Right. But it's not going to be able to explain the experience itself. Right. It's not going to be able to give you 
a physicalist model of how experience emerges or something like that, right? So it's it's whole, so. But what I'm basically saying is evolution is totally consistent with the idea that consciousness is irreducible, that consciousness is the is the base of reality. So if you're an idealist like myself, what you could say, and this is sort of my view, this is also Bernardo Kastrup's view, that you know you have this one universal mind, and then through the process of dissociation, you have these conscious creatures, and through evolution and natural selection then they're able to, you know, gain knowledge of their own experiences. They're able to have metacognitive awareness of their own experiences. If you're a panpsychist or cosmopsychist, you can sort of give a similar answer where consciousness is just irreducible. It's the ground, you know, not the ground, but like all matter has consciousness, right? And then through the evolutionary process, then those, then the consciousness can then know about his own experiences, right? So that's, that's how evolution plays the role. So evolution explains how we know consciousness, how we know experience. But what it does not explain, it's not going to tell you why there's experience in the first place, right? That's a totally mm -hmm. separate thing, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that's why David Chalmers, that's why he points out, like, evolution by natural selection is not going to be able to distinguish between a, a conscious creature and a zombie because they're only talking about the functional, you know, roles, right? They're not actually mm -hmm. talking about the consciousness itself, right? So I just want to yeah. point that out to, you know, the audience, right? That I do think that evolution can explain how we gain knowledge of our consciousness, but it's not going to be able to explain consciousness itself, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so, I yeah. think that's good. And like the Chalmers, like um, quote that you gave in the beginning where Chalmers talks about, well, couldn't have I just have evolved as like a philosophical zombie um, yeah. that can do all the things that like eat, sleep, drink, reproduce, um, can do all those things, but then isn't conscious. Like it seems like obviously, yes. Um so yeah. it seems like like Chalmers does a good job. They're talking about how like consciousness isn't necessary. Like it's not a part of like um, you say like we like we have a mouth to eat. It doesn't seem like the same kind of like necessary thing as part of like our evolutionary mm -hmm. history for us. To, like, yeah, function. I think that's the that's the probably the biggest error in or this is his rationality rules his explanation of consciousness. It's like I can grant like all these points right here. I, I can grant that the nervous system evolved the orchestrated movement. I can I can say that you know awareness uh, gave us the ability. You know, but that's not going to tell you why consciousness evolved. Like that last part about consciousness evolved. Well, no, that's that's ridiculous. I mean, I agree that consciousness um, can change, right? Like mm -hmm. you can have, you could sort of mold consciousness. And I think that, that's basically my view, where I think that consciousness is irreducible, but then evolution sort of allowed us to, you know, know about our own consciousness, essentially. But consciousness itself is still why there is consciousness in the first place. That's not something that evolution is going to be able to tell you, right? And so that's mm -hmm. that's the issue that, that I see. It's like like something else I was just thinking about is like like one of the things with consciousness is like you can't divide your experience in half. Like I can't divide your consciousness in half, Kyle. Um, yeah. So, but then like with like evolution, like well, you can say like there's an evolutionary explanation for like why do things just grow taller um, or something like that. But like. It, yeah. It's just not the same thing. Like it's just these confusing categories. Um, but John debunked us by saying consciousness <laughs> is just the brain. So yeah, okay. I guess we need to go home and cry about how we, we suck. Um, okay, ready for yeah. the next bit? Yep. Go ahead. To allow organisms to respond more efficiently to their feelings, and finally, a fifth flaw that many of the proponents of the argument from consciousness commit is a personal incredulity fallacy. While I implied earlier that all of the proponents of this argument commit an argument from ignorance fallacy, that's not always true. 
Some proponents will appeal to ignorance and will indeed commit an argument from ignorance, but others won't appeal to ignorance and will instead simply dismiss evolution by natural selection because they can't personally understand it, and hence they'd be committing a personal incredulity fallacy. So, to okay. recap, the argument from... Con- okay, there we go. That's kind of, like, I think that's very unfair, um, because, like, I know this video was made, like, four years ago, but, like, take, for example, like, Inspiring Philosophy... Um, like we may disagree with like it's quantum idealism or whatnot. Um, yeah. so you actually be on my channel tomorrow. So that'll be fun. Um, but like you may disagree with him, but like he's combed through so many like neuroscientific science studies. Like you can see that like in his videos and such. And like, he's not just like closing his eyes and, um, like having this personal incredulity. Like, I don't know how much Steven has actually spent. I've spent nothing reading neuroscience. Um, and I don't know how much Steven has, but I'm sure it's not nearly as much as, um, like IP. Um, and it's just kind of unfair to just say, well, oh, they are just not, they're saying it's difficult to understand. So they're going to stamp God on it. Like, it's just, it's just unfair and uncharitable. Yeah. And I, I do, I mean, I will, I'll get more, actually, I'll tell you off stream about what I'm going to do related to the explanatory power of theism. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I do agree that, um, like, yeah, I, I don't think it's a, I mean, some people might like the creationists might you know, say, oh, well, evolution is just false, right? So that's not really an explanation. Um, yeah. But of course, I'm, I'm a theistic evolutionist, so I'm I'm not going to go that route. But but yeah. Yeah. Um. I think this is like the end of the video because he just goes gives him like a shout out to Hemet Meta for giving him a shout out. Um. So is there okay. anything you want to cover in this video before we start to wrap things up here? Um. No, I think uh, it's pretty good. I mean, we went over everything. So of course, the first problem I would point out earlier is he gets the definition of conscious wrong. So I had to sort of clarify. Um, another thing is the, he, he doesn't really make a distinction between self-reflexive consciousness and conscious proper, right? The distinction between consciousness and a metacognition. And then another thing, um, another error was I think, oh yeah, the false dichotomy. Well, I can probably agree with him on that, that there are different, definitely alternative explanations other than theism and naturalism depending on me by those. Um, so yeah, that's all I got to say. Um, and of course, the argument from, con- yeah, it's not meant to address a spe- specific religion. Um, mm-hmm. We've already gone over that. And of course, the, the argument from consciousness is not an argument from ignorance. So yeah, th- that's all I got to say um, in response to that. Hopefully, I mean, I did see that he t- he didn't take it down, but he made it unlisted, his Kalam video, his older one. So hopefully, I'm really hoping, I don't know, but like, I'm hoping that like he takes down his older videos like this one, mm-hmm. for example, and he sort of revises them or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because some of his, some of his older content is definitely not, not good. Right. And I'm hoping yeah. that given, I'm hoping that he can learn like through the experience. Um, and hopefully like, hopefully he'll be able to like take down those videos and like, I don't know, redo, redo them or something, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. Because I think a better criticism of the argument of consciousness, which is to point out like there's that there's all these different theories, like you know I mentioned panpsychism, cosmopsychism, right? So I think if he did a video like that, I think I would be more sympathetic to his criticism. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, yeah, I think it's very like I think about like all my like I have a lot of old videos up on my on my channel still. Like if you like looked at them, um, you could make me look really dumb. Like I said, like I there was a point like maybe like. Two, like three years ago where I was like, whatever begins exists as a cause, duh, the universe began to exist, duh, the uh, universe as a cause is in space, time, and matter again exists, space is timeless, mm-hmm. immaterial, like we're done. Like the Kalam is just like 100% rock solid. Um, and like, I'm not saying the Kalam doesn't work, but it's just like, 
like my views have changed over time and like old videos don't represent like present views. I, I wouldn't be surprised with Steven because this is from like, I think 2018 or 2017. Um, so I'm sure his views have changed a lot since then. But I mean, if I think if it's up, as long as we're charitable, I think it's totally fair to respond to it. Because like, if someone wanted to go through some of my old videos and respond, it may not represent me now, but they're still up mm -hmm. there. So I think that's fair. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Well, Kyle, it's been a lot of fun. Um, any last words before we wrap up here? Nope. I just, I guess my, my last point is hopefully Steven like takes down this video and like redoes it or something. And I think that it's important that both sides sort of improve upon their content. Right. So the atheists, it's like someone like Steven, I would recommend he read people like Graham Oppie, people like Paul Draper, um, J.H. Sobel, like the actual atheist philosophers that really like go hard in natural theology. Cause I think they have pretty good objections, right. To these sort of mm -hmm. arguments, not just the argument from conscious, but like any sort of argument for God. So I, I, I encourage that all atheists um, read the actual atheist philosophers. And then the theists, they read people like, you know, Richard Swinburne, Josh Rasmussen. Um, so yeah, I just, I hope hopefully both sides can sort of improve upon their arguments and mm -hmm. I think if if we do that as a as a as a community as an online community, on both sides, then that's going to increase the dialectic. So, yeah, it's just about seeking truth, exchanging ideas, working together, seeking truth. At least how I see it. Mm -hmm. um, but Kyle, thank yeah. you so much for coming on. It's been a lot of fun. In the YouTube description, I was able to tag Kyle, so you can literally just click on the description and go to oh. Christian Idealism um, and nice. check out the channel. Uh, all things idealism and you can check it over there um and if you're new to our channel i always encourage you to subscribe leave a like um if you like response videos like this there is a playlist with all the responses that we've done right below in the description it's one of the first things you'll see um so you can check that out and if you enjoyed this channel you can subscribe leave a like i already said all that um but what i didn't say is you can support us on patreon.com so you can apologize for as little as a dollar a month um we're very close to our full funding like if everyone that listen want, listens to like our videos regularly um gave like a dollar a month we'd be fully funded so if you can want to do that your support's always appreciated but kyle it's been real uh thank you for your time yep. thank you everyone for tuning in exploring reality that one gamer web slinger um gmd apologetics have a good one god bless <laughs>